Have a, I have a question for you today. Uh, have any of you ever had the experience of being on the bench and wanting to get into a game? Anybody ever had that experience? Few, few of you have been on, on the bench waiting to get into the game. When I was in junior high, I, uh, I dreamed of being the next Michael Jordan. Why are you laughing? <laughs> There's nothing there that says you're supposed to laugh at that point in my notes. I was the uh, starting point guard on our seventh grade basketball team. And, and I wasn't great, but, but I could hold my own. And, and we weren't great, but we had a good time playing. And then, uh, and then I grew. And so when I got to eighth grade, instead of being like a guard, I was now a forward center. And um, uh, I was slow, admittedly. Uh, I didn't shoot very well, admittedly. Uh, so you can imagine that this meant that my eighth grade year, I sat on the bench and, uh, and watched most of the games. Our, uh, our team wasn't very good either. <clears throat> and I don't, for those of you who've been on the bench, you know this. Like if your team is really good and they're blowing people out, you get into the game. Um, and if your team is really bad and you're getting blown out, you get into the game. Our team was right in the middle. Like we lost most games, but not by much. So I, I did not really play much. And then came my big moment. It was the last uh, game of the year. Well, it was the first game of the last tournament of the year, but we were bound to lose. So it was the last game of the year. And our starters were just getting like torn apart in the first half. It was the second quarter and, uh, and coach turned down the bench and he looked right at me and he said, Durand, you're in for Chad. And I went into the game and we went down on offense, and, uh, and the, the guard passed me the ball. It was a set play. I was right at the free throw line. My job was to take the ball and look right and left to watch the guards cutting. They were both covered, but the center hadn't come out on me. And so I took a beautiful jump shot. Okay, the truth is I was never much of a jump shot. It was more of a set shot from the free throw line, all net. Thank you, yeah. My, uh, my teammates gave me high fives. Uh, it was a great moment. We finished the second quarter. We go into the halftime locker room, and, and I am expecting the coach to uh, like, like recognize these were my first points of the year. I was so excited. I was so proud. We get into the locker room. We sit down, and he lights into me first for not covering the baseline on defense. And then he said, I'll never forget these words. I love this guy, by the way, uh, so I'm not going to name him. Uh, but then he, then he said, uh, he was frustrated. Uh, then he said, he's like, is there nobody worthy of being on this court today? This was the end of my basketball career. And... Now, don't feel too sorry for me. That's not the point of the story. It is not to feel sorry for me. Because had I gone on to be Michael Jordan, I might not be here today, and I'd rather be here today with you. <laughs> but, but even more, this is my prayer today. For uh, I, I pray as we explore the gospel of Matthew today that that God's word will speak to all of us today, but particularly those of us who feel like we might be sitting on the bench in life. Who feel like they're still waiting for their number to be called. I pray especially that, that today's words from Matthew will speak to those who, for whatever reason, have maybe felt like they aren't worthy or don't have anything to contribute.
Would you pray with me? Lord, may your spirit move in this time and in and through these words that we ponder today. May I get out of the way so that your love can flow and move and that we might learn and grow as we seek to follow the one who shows us the way in Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want to do a little thought experiment today and, and invite you to imagine that you are at the season opener for Notre Dame, sitting in the stands ready for the game. Uh, for those of you who are not Notre Dame fans, feel free to insert Michigan, okay? Either one works. Imagine you're at the season opener of the game. Now, this, this thought idea actually comes from N.T. Wright, a, a scholar and theologian, uh, I'm going to Americanize it. Uh, he uses a different kind of football. Um, but I, I want you to imagine that you're at the game and, and you're, you're up in the stands and you're getting ready for this experience. And Marcus Freeman, he walks, walks up into the stands. He walks right up to you. Or Jim Harbaugh, if you're a Michigan fan, he writes, walks right up to you and he's like, all right, come on. I need you to come with me. You're going in the game. Right? And then he walks around the stands and he kind of picks some other people as he goes and he's like, I, I need you. You don't know what, what your role's going to be. You don't know why he needs you on the field. You, he's just walking around like picking out some people and be like, come on, come on, follow me. Follow me down here. He wants you to follow him right now onto the field. When God comes and walks among humanity, when Jesus comes to establish the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven on earth, Think about it. This is how he starts. Right? He calls people who haven't prepared, who aren't involved in the, in the workings of the religion or the empire, who don't seem to be really even quite equipped for what lies ahead. This is how Matthew describes this next part of the story of Jesus says this, as Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father, Zebedee, preparing their nets. Jesus called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. Five verses, it's, it's kind of a, a short and simple little passage, and yet, yet there's so much to it. We might notice this. Jesus, he doesn't go to the temple to pick the best and the, and the brightest religious students to start this kingdom-building effort. Andrew and Simon, Peter, James and John, they're, they're fishermen. And fishing was a, was a noble profession, but, but not necessarily a glamorous one. It didn't pay particularly well. It was sunrise to sunset out on the water. Fishermen were typically uneducated, Work those long hours. 
And that's in contrast to to those who would typically be be invited by a rabbi at the time, one who who taught the, the way of the faith. Typically, those who would receive that invitation were those who were educated or, or of noble birth. Rabbis would, would gather together a group of, of 10 or, or 12 of these students to, to teach the ways of the faith. And these, these followers of, of these other rabbis would become the kind of the movers and shakers, the leaders of, of the religious movement. James and John and Simon, Peter, and Andrew, they would not have qualified for these religious schools. But this is who Jesus comes to invite. He doesn't ask them to learn some stuff first. He doesn't make them pass any, any tests of their, of their knowledge or ability. He doesn't ask them to be somebody they aren't. It's like, do you know what? Here's this gift set that you have. Follow me, and, and I'm... I'm going to show you how to use it in another way to serve a different kingdom. I've always kind of wondered, like, if Jesus came to your school or to your workplace or to your home, wherever your everyday is, what would, the, what would an author do to describe the scene of Jesus inviting you to follow? What, what would it look like? This is good news. Jesus inviting you to follow. Jesus showing us what that invitation looks like and who it's offered to. Right? This invitation, it's it's as you are from from wherever you are. This This invitation, it doesn't have any special requirements. You don't have to learn some stuff first. You don't have to have it all figured out. You don't have to meet somebody else's criteria. The invitation of Jesus is to everyone, where you are, as you are right now, to you today, to me today. If you've been waiting on on an invitation, sitting on that bench and and thinking, I I don't know why, I, I just haven't felt that, I hope you hear this invitation today. Because it's offered all of us. Wait no longer. You have a role to play in building the kingdom of heaven on earth. That's the invitation for all of us. In Matthew's account, Jesus, he finds, he finds these followers, and they're just, right, they're out, they're out fishing, they're doing what they do, and, and he tells them, Come with me, and, and I'm going to invite you to, to fish in a different way, to, to fish, to help people know the, what the kingdom of heaven looks like. And we may miss this, but this, this invitation, it's, it's loaded with implication. You see, in, in the day of Jesus, as scholars have sort of unpacked what life was like in the Roman Empire, the fishermen, for the most part, would have all been contracted to the empire, Right? Rome wanted to control everything. One of the ways that they did that, you'd get a license to fish in, in Roman-occupied territory. And that license would include heavy taxation, but it would also include loyalty. You've got to be loyal to the empire. So when Jesus comes to these fishermen, it's very likely that they were under contract to the Roman Empire. And he says, come and follow me. 
So it isn't just a question of, of following Jesus. It's a, it's a question of loyalty. Are you going to remain loyal to, to this empire and the ways of the world? Or are you willing to come and follow me and build a new kind of kingdom? Are you going to be loyal to the ways that take advantage of people, to the systems that oppress people, to the ways of taxation that keeps the poor poor? Or are you going to help me build a kingdom where people are taken care of, where grace and forgiveness are the way, where everybody is included, the kingdom of heaven? I think there are a lot of people in the world today that feel like the world doesn't need them. That they are just a cog in the wheel of a world going by. I think there are a lot of people who've bought into the idea of a world that says if you don't have power or influence or lots of friends or, or money or status or celebrity, you don't really matter like those who have those things. Jesus offers an invitation to see something different. God's world needs you. You ever think about that? This isn't a, a way to think about this selfishly. I mean, God doesn't need you and me in the sense that we need God. Our, our very life, our, our very creation comes from God. Every, every gift that we have, every blessing in our life, the food on our table, all of that is a gift from God. We need God to survive. And yet, this God that created all that is... This God that is beyond our words and, and beyond our, our very imagination also created a world where humanity, we are made in God's image. And thus, we have a role to play in reflecting that image. Every one of us has a part to play. And the world needs our part because we each have a distinct identity and a distinct set of gifts. We each reflect a part of God's image until every one of us matters to God. God designed us to play a role, not to be spectators in the world. And our role to play is, is simply to reflect God's image, his, his love, his grace, his forgiveness, his plans, his, his purpose, his inclusion, his love to help others see the kingdom of heaven coming near. God's world needs you. Let me say that one more time because I, I think we hear that and we're like, yeah, yeah, sure, Pastor Brian. I, uh, yeah, I hear that. But uh, do we really hear it? God's world needs you and you and you and all of us. So Jesus invites followers from, from where you are, as you are, because God's world needs you for who you are.
You might be asking, okay, but what am I supposed to do? How do I, how do I answer this invitation? What if, what if I don't know that God needs me? What if, what if I can't sense this invitation of Jesus so I don't even know where to begin? That's okay. The, the first disciples, they didn't fully get it. Do you know what they did that set them apart? It wasn't their knowledge. It wasn't their gift set. What set them apart was they were just willing to say yes to the invitation. They were willing to, to give their lives to, to follow Jesus and then follow wherever Jesus led them. They didn't know anything, and they'd screw it up occasionally. So if you're worried about messing it up, that's okay. They, they messed it up occasionally, and yet they continued to follow because of them, because they kept every day trying to, to learn more and follow where Jesus led. Because of them, the news of the resurrection of Jesus has spread around the world. The news of this promise of life and life eternal has spread around the world. And it began with a simple act that we find right here in our passage today. Immediately they followed at once they followed. Some of you maybe have seen this story. It was in the Washington Post this, uh, this week. About, uh, about 10 years ago, a, a guy named Hody Childress visited his local pharmacy. Hody was a, a follower of Jesus. I don't know the rest of his life story, but I know I know that he was about 70 years old, and he went to his local pharmacy, and, and he, he grabbed the owner there, and he, he asked her, he said, are there ever, ever people that come in here that can't pay for their medicine? And she said, yeah, people come in, people come in all the time and, and can't pay. And so he pulled out a folded $100 bill, and, and he handed it to her and said, just, if you would, just use that to, to help people who, who can't pay for their medicines. And then for the next 10 years or so, every month he would come in near the first of the month and he would hand her another folded $100 bill. On New Year's Day this year, Hoodie Childress passed away. And he had said to the owner of the pharmacy as he was every month handing her a $100 bill to help. He'd said, I don't want anybody to know. I want it to be anonymous. I'm, I'm not telling anyone. She didn't tell anybody. He didn't even tell his family what he was doing. He said, he said these words to her. He said, if, if they ask, just tell them that it's a blessing from the Lord. Well, after he passed on New Year's Day, the owner of the pharmacy felt like she needed the family, the family should know what he'd been doing. And so she told the family. And, uh, and he had also, right near the end of his life, had confided in them. And so the word spread around town and all these people started coming forward to say, oh, I, I had no idea it was such a blessing. I, you know, I hit this rough patch in life and, um, and my medical bills were covered and, and I never even know who, who did it. The owner of the pharmacy shared that, that somebody had come in and, and was so grateful for, for somebody helping through a rough patch that, that their family paid it forward. In response to all of this, a fund is now set up at the pharmacy in the community to continue to, continue to help people. 
Hody wasn't wealthy. It wasn't like he had a lot of extra income by all accounts of the, of the family and the community. He lived on, on Social Security and a small retirement fund and kind of made ends meet. And yet, he was willing that day to just follow the lead of where Jesus said, hey, you can make a, you can make a difference right here in your hometown, right here. He was faithful to Jesus from where he was, as he was from the blessings that God had given him. God's world needs you. If you have felt like a spectator, like the world is passing you by, hear an invitation from Jesus today to get off the bench. God's world needs you, and Jesus invites you to follow. This isn't in my notes, but you know, let's just imagine maybe the Spirit works in ways we don't understand. How many of you have seen the, the new movie that just came out, um, A Man Called Otto? Anybody seen A Man Called Otto? Or, uh, or read the book, A Man Called Ove? I won't give it all away, but uh, for those that haven't seen it, but it, it's this movie about this, I mean, you can tell from the previews, it's this movie about this older, this grumpy old guy and he is convinced that his life does not matter after the loss of his spouse. He's just convinced it doesn't matter. And the whole movie shows his journey to realize that our lives do make a difference, sometimes in ways we don't even know, sometimes in ways that we don't even see. If you feel right now like you don't matter, hear that that is not true. God, God's world needs you. You may not even know how. You may not even think that you figured it out, but God, if you'll follow Jesus, God will make a difference through you. And if you've been hurt in the game of life, or even worse, hurt by the church, just pains me to say, but I know that happens. If you've ever been made to feel less than or like your gifts don't matter, know that this is not God's intention. God's world needs you, and Jesus is inviting you to follow. And if you've heard all this today and you're still not sure how God needs you or, or what gifts you have, or even who you really are right now at this point in your life. No, this doesn't change the invitation. God's world needs you, and Jesus is inviting you to follow. And let me just offer this. We talk about ways to serve at Clay Church, and, and one of the ways to explore how God's world can need you would just be to visit with a, a staff member or, um, or go to the claychurch.com slash serve page and, and find something that, that interests you and, and continue that conversation. Every so often here at Clay Church, and we're talking about this again, we do opportunities to kind of explore your gifts. I'm always available to have coffee, to, to have those conversations one-on-one -on -one to kind of help discover that call in your life, but, but let me put all that aside for a minute and say, I think the first step is even more simple. I think the first step is just each day of our lives to say, yes, I believe 
in Jesus. Yes, I believe God's world has a place and a need for me. Yes, Jesus, I'll follow where you lead. So let me just invite you to try a practice this week. Every week in your life guide, if you want to take a look at it now, you'll, you can see this. Every week in your life guide, there's a faith fit challenge. It's just a, a practice of some kind to, to put the message to practice in your life. And they, they vary. There are all kinds of different practices there. And we don't always talk about them during the message. But let me introduce this one today. It's really simple. Just, uh, just set an alarm on your phone to alert you maybe every afternoon, just sometime kind of in the, in the flow of your day. So not first thing in the morning or, or at night, but just set an alarm to, to sometime in the course of your day. And when it goes off each day, just pause for a moment and pray this question. Jesus, how am I being invited to follow you today? Just let it be your you're yes, Jesus. I don't know what this looks like. And some days, some days you're, you're going to go, I don't know. I, I don't know what it looks like. But here's my guess. If, if you practice this for a week, one of the days you're going to just hint, the Spirit's going to move something in you and you're going to be like, oh, I could, I could help that person out today. Or, oh, you know what? God is just calling me to pray right now today. The Spirit's going Spirit's to stir in that, in your yes to following where Jesus leads. Let's pray. God, for those of us here today that, that aren't sure that we have a role to play, help us hear this good news that God's world needs us and that Jesus is inviting us to follow. And God, for those of us who aren't sure how to even begin to answer that call. Help us to just start with a simple yes to following where Jesus leads. And Lord, help us to know in every step, in every moment, that your presence surrounds us. And your invitation is always at work within us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.